Welcome to Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. I am Cecily, and this week we're going to be talking about a cover song. So Kate Bush hasn't recorded many cover songs, but not only did she do a cover of the song, but it was also a charting hit in the UK. We're going to be talking about a song that she recorded for a compilation, her cover of Elton John's Rocket Man. everybody to another episode of the show. I'm Cecily and this week we're talking about Rocket Man. So Kate Bush doesn't do many cover songs but when she does they're usually very her and very interesting to talk about especially on this one this week. This was recorded for a compilation album and was released in 1990 so it was that kind of that area right after the sensual world but before Red Shoes but I'm still considering this part of this era because also like her vocal styling and everything is very much of the sensual world era. So that's the song we're going to be talking about this week. Our guest is none other than Diego Ortega, who has been on the show before. And when I recorded this with him, it was a quite a while ago. And I noticed something as I was editing. So if you hear a kind of a constant, very low frequency buzz throughout some of the episode, I do apologize. When I was recording this, I had my microphone too close to some of the other electrical wires that I use for recording music. And I didn't know that the buzzing was there until after I went to go and edit the episode. So I do apologize. I've tried to get it out as much as I can. But if I do too much, then it's going to sound like I'm talking it from a tin can. And we don't really want that. So anyway, Letting you know if you hear that in in the episode. Hopefully not. I've tried to do, try to take it out as much as possible. But all right. So with that out of the way, without further ado, let's get into the episode. So here was my discussion of Rocket Man with Kate Bush fan Diego Ortega, who, as I said, has been on the show before, and he said this was one of his favorite Kate Bush songs. So here we go. And with me to talk about the song this week is someone who has been on the show before. And he is none other than... Hi, um, I'm I'm Diego. (laughs) Indeed. We're calling our own Rocket Man here, all the way out in... Oh, uh... boy. (laughs) I mean, there's going to be no avoiding it with this. (laughs) There's no avoiding it. (laughs) 
I'm gonna. I'm going to reference it throughout the episode. I know me you're too. going to. <laughs> because I'm one of those people that if you know me personally, like I will reference song lyrics all the time. And whether or not people me actively too. know it. And if they don't, then I go like, okay, well, let me tell you about this song. Of blah, 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 blah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, you haven't like, heard the Modern Lovers? Let's talk about the Modern Lovers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the same way. Or in time somebody you know, tells somebody, let's dance, and go, let's dance. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, let's put on your red blue blue shoes and dance the red yeah. shoes and dance the blues. <laughs> so stop. we're here to um, so we're here to talk about um, Kate Bush's cover version that was also as a single, although she had recorded it yeah. some two years before. But um, putting this in with the Central World era, um, it came out on a. Uh, a compilation that I actually used to have a copy of. It was called Two Rooms, and it was uh, a compilation of many different artists doing their versions of various Elton John songs. And uh, I know on that album there was Sting. I forget what Sting did. Mm-hmm. Um, there were lots of other people on there. I actually I have the CD. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, so I know... Um, the most notable ones are um, um, the Beach Boys doing Crocodile Rock and um, Tina Turner doing um, The Bitch is Back. See, I never got past just Kate's version. I never, I had this, I had this compilation at some point and then I sold it. And that's got to be interesting, Tina Turner doing The Bitch is Back. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to think, and I think the who, oh, um, I believe the Who did Saturday Saturday's night Saturday nights all right for fighting. Yep, I'm looking at the uh, yeah. this, yep. It was a 1991 tribute album, and the title refers to a song on John's album 21 at 33, Two Rooms at the End of the World. And Kate's uh, version of Rocket Man was released as a single and did pretty well. It was I mean it reached number 12 in the UK, did number two in Australia and I find that also the kind of what she has said about the song also to be really interesting about why she picked it but first of all like so what do we think of do we want to talk about what we think of the cover and everything before we get into like the other story behind the song or how do we want to do this yeah yeah um I think I'm worried about I'm going to share a lot of unpopular opinions throughout this episode <laughs> so i apologize in advance um i don't know i don't know the, the the consensus about people's feelings about this song but i like the kate bush version way better so i've heard the original and we were we were talking before i pressed record that yeah you know, yeah yeah both of us have heard the original and i know for me i grew up on a lot of elton's music from it being played on soft rock radio and especially a lot of his 70s songs so i heard a lot of rocket man i heard a lot of um candle in the wind especially when he redid that song and made it about um, princess diana because i remember i was like 12 years old when that happened Um, so i grew up on a lot of his music and i remember his music standing out to me because it was very piano based which Mm-hmm. I know it was something that Kate has said about why she picked the song because and like what Elton's music means to her. 
I like her version better as well. And there's actually something really interesting she has said about this that, and there's a particular reason why I like this version better than the original. Um, she says here, um, uh, it was just that I wanted to do it differently. This is from a BBC One radio interview. She said, I wanted to do it differently. I do think that if you cover records, you should try and make them different. It's like remaking movies. You've got to try and give it something that makes it worth re-listening. And the reggae treatment just seemed to happen, really. I just tried to put the chords together on the piano, and it just seemed to want to take off in the choruses. So we gave it the reggae treatment. And her mm -hmm. saying that when you do a cover version that you should do something differently with it. That is what I love about her version of Rocket Man that she takes, mm -hmm. she completely makes it, she sings it like it's her own song. She's not doing a straight karaoke version. I mean, we know that Kate would never would do that kind of thing anyway, No, but it's her, she puts these two things together, this reggae kind of lilt and then the Ilium pipes they shouldn't work mm -hmm. together, but they do. But they do. So well. So okay. I um, I love that that Kate really makes the song her own. And I like the original. It has cool, cool childhood memories attached to it for me of listening to Soft Rock Radio with my parents. But I like her take on it because it's just so different and weird. And you don't think that it would work. And it does. How about you? Yeah. Um, yeah, so this, that quote just reminded me about all the reasons why I love this song and why I love Kate Bush's covers in general. Um, I assume that soon after this episode, um, there will be an episode about another cover mm -hmm. in yep. particular. Yep. Um, may I say its name? Yes, you may. Sexual healing. Oh, see, I thought you were going to go for um, Candle in the Wind. Oh, no, yeah. I was. Oh, no, um, no, I was in her cover, but um, the Red Shoes cover, or the Red Shoes era cover of Marvin Gaye. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, I, I, yeah, that one. Oh, yeah, that is, that one is really interesting. <laughs> okay, I'll put you down for that. I, I planned it too. <laughs> um, I just realized. I just re-remember that song. It's a great cover. Um, but Kate Bush, um, like another artist who this album reminds me of, Brian Ferry, knows how to do a cover really, really well. And, um, and I think for me, what really stands out is, is um, the mi the mixing of, um, traditional English instruments and reggae, uh, reggae approach, um, the ukulele. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're dancing in the ukulele um, and the video is so cute. Oh my I God. I know. <laughs> I know. I, that's something I think about all the time and it always makes my day. Um, I'm doing it right now. You um, can't see me, but I'm like, I think it's had to be a long, long time. Oh, no, no, no. Oh God. Um, <laughs> and also, um, this cover reminds me of um, the John Peel session version of This Charming Man by the Smiths, which sounds like it's centered around the ukulele or different, something different than a typical electric or acoustic guitar. And it's more cheerful. 
um, but not like diluted by the happiness. It's just, it's like a really interesting juxtaposition. Like in this song, it's, there's a juxtaposition of feelings, of, of tones, of sonic um, approaches. And I think it really makes it um, an experience. It's not just listening to a song, um, but you really, you feel different things. And I think, I think she wants you to do such like with the video, as we'll talk about later, um, in the, but, um, yeah, I think it's really well conceived cover. Mm -hmm. You can tell that she put a lot of thought into how she was going to make it her own, how she was going to sing it, who, which instrument was going to yeah. come in here, which instrument's going to come in there. Definitely. The pantsuit. I, I made a I made a joke. I said the pantsuit. Oh. The the cool the cool outfits in the video. Oh yeah. <laughs> and also love her hair too. Her hair is like yeah. She, oh. Because this also the, I've noticed that this era that she starts to look um in like the some of the pic few pictures you've ever seen of Kate and her mother. Now for who's played on the song, um she has her usual drummer and her usual uh, guitar player. Uh, drums are from Charlie Morgan. Um, the guitar is from Alan Murphy. And then there's Del Palmer on the bass. He's definitely there in the video. Mm -hmm. And then there's on the yeah. concertina, so it's like an accordion, um, is mm -hmm. Alistair Anderson. And then the Ilium Pipes is Davy Spillane, who has played on, who played on uh, the Central World title track in this era. And he's been on mm -hmm. a few of her other songs, so playing the Ilium Pipes. I noticed, speaking of um, Alan Murphy in the video, I noticed this today that there are a couple of shots where when they show the band playing and she's doing her ukulele dance. If you look in the to, back to where the drummer is on the chair, there's a guitar. Yeah. And then they'll show they'll, then it'll show that chair with the guitar and then there's a candle there. That is supposed mm -hmm. to represent Alan Murphy because he had died bef um, yeah. af before the um, the song came out. And so they did that as a tribute to him. And I, I also think that's like a little wink there with the candle. And it looks like the, the flame yeah. is blowing in the wind, you know, candle in the wind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so that's what I was um, ref referencing when I um, said that she's really trying to contrast um, many feelings and um, mm -hmm. attitudes throughout the song. Um, because her take on the song is inherently joyful, sonically. And um, there's 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 a feeling of celebration in the video, but it's also contrasted with the nature of the song, um, mm -hmm. some of the instruments, and the um, the the imagery of, um, in honor of Alan Murphy. Um, is he also referenced in moments um, of pleasure? Yep, uh, when she says Smurf playing his guitar refrain. That is Ugh. Alan Murphy, yep. Because he had died of AIDS um, yeah. in the late 80s, early 90s. Like, um, one of her other dancers oh, as well, um, one of the dancers who was with her on the tour of life, um, Gary Hurst, died also of AIDS mm -hmm. in the early 90s as well. So, yeah, and, and speaking of, like, the lyrics, I, you know, I never really, like, stopped to look at, like, what the song is about, really. But you're right. Yeah. She brings up, but it, it, they're actually kind of sad. 
Yeah, I don't know what. Um, um, I don't know what Elton John and Bernie Taupin were um, rap, like really trying to convey while writing the lyrics. I feel like it's a song that we don't really talk like in pop culture talk about lyrically, like mm-hmm. other than like the lyrics at face value. Yet, the, I mean. At face value, there's also just apparent senses of melancholy and um, longing. So, actually, the the lyrics, uh, the song was inspired by the short story The Rocket Man in The Illustrated Man by Ray Bradbury and echoes yes, the theme of right. space oddity. Both recordings were produced by Gus Dun- Dudgeon. But according to an account mm-hmm. in Elizabeth Rosenthal's book, His Song, The Musical Journey of Elton John, the song was inspired by Topin's sighting of either a shooting star or a distant aeroplane. The song describes a Mars-bound astronaut's mixed feelings at leaving his family in order to do his job. Rosenthal's account goes on to relate that the notion of astronauts no longer being perceived as heroes, but in fact as an everyday occupation, led Topin to the song's opening lines, She packed my bags last night, pre-flight, zero hour, 9 a.m., and I'm going to be high as a kite by then. Yeah. And thinking of Ray Bradbury, who, um, I mean, I read a bunch of his short stories mm-hmm, as me too. Um, an early teenager. Um, I just amazing. Um, they're more, I mean, science fiction with um, an emphasis on the realities of post-war and post-modern life and the absurdity of, of life at that time. Um, I think the I think the reduction of the grandeur of being an astronaut to re- reducing it to everyday occupation really echoes that and creates a not like totally gutting but a unnerving um, feel. And then you contrast that with the kind of happy sounding music and it makes an interesting yeah. juxtaposition. The Bray Bradbury story that I remember most is um, All Summer in a Day. Did you ever read that one? I believe so. Um, I, could you remind me about it? Yeah, sure. It is about uh, the, it's about humans who have made their way to Venus. And on Venus, it rains for seven years, and then Mm -hmm. it's sunny for an hour or something, and then it goes back to being rainy. Well, there's a girl in this, in a, in a, it's an elementary school class, her name is Margot, and she was originally from Earth. And so she tells Mm -hmm. stories about having grown up on Earth and getting to see the sun and knowing the seasons, and the other kids really don't like her. And on the day that the rains are supposed to stop, they uh, they stuff her in a closet while they all mm-hmm. go out to play. And then the story ends with them opening the closet where they've where they've stuffed her. And and there's a movie version. There was some I remember some filmed version of that story where they show them opening the closet and her coming out and her being really sad. And that story, I remember because that was just haunting to me that this, Mm -hmm. the way that she was treated and that to be stuck in a place where it just rains and rains for seven years. 
Uh, yeah, it was that one, and that's the one I remember the most. And I know if I had been in AP English that we would have read Fahrenheit 451, but I never got to read that one. But I knew of it because I had friends who were a little bit, they were a year or two ahead of me. And so they, they were in AP English, and they would tell me a little bit about it. That's the story I remember. Um, also I read it. Day. Okay. <laughs> it's, yeah. I feel like it's a pretty um, common one. I think it's in like one of those like those big textbooks that the teachers give you. Like, okay, we're going to work our way through these stories oh, in here. You yeah. Know. Actually, um, I, I just forgot the name, but um, all, all, all Summers in a Day, that's the short story that got me hooked on Ray Bradbury. Really? Oh, cool. Yeah. So um, that and um, A Sound of Thunder, um, all these different stories and how, how they're, they're not fantastical um they don't they don't take you away from reality they, they harp on reality and they're really haunting and mm -hmm. i think that um i mean that's a feeling that's found in the lyrics here so mm -hmm. i think knowing that it really makes the song as well um i'm as well as the cover really interesting because now there's that layer on top of all the juxtapositions that Kate's creating. It speaks to the um, quote that you um, um, noted earlier. And uh, something else that she said about the song, too, is like kind of how, uh, kind of uh, talking a little bit about how she got involved with the project. Um, this is actually from the same interview. She says, I was really knocked out to be asked to be involved with this project because I was such a big fan of Eldon's when I was little. I really loved his stuff. It's, it's like he's my biggest hero, really. And when I was just starting to write songs, he was the only songwriter I knew of that played the piano and sang and wrote songs. So he was very much my idol. And one of my favorite songs of his was Rocket Man. Now, if I had known then that I would have been asked to be involved in this project, I would have just died. <laughs> they basically said, would we like to be involved? I could choose which track I wanted. Rocket Man was my favorite. And I hoped it hadn't gone, actually. I hoped no one else was going to do it. I actually haven't heard the original for a very long time. A long, long time, she laughs. Um, and then later in that same quote, um, it's even more extraordinary that the song was a hit because we actually recorded the track over two years ago, probably just after my last telly appearance. We were quite astounded when they wanted to release it as a single just recently. Yeah, I hear her like talking about him what Elton's music means to her and yet she gets to sing mm -hmm. him later he's on Snowden at Wheeler yeah. Street and all that Oh God! and you know I have to say finally when Humming was released that yeah. song reminds me of something that Elton John would have written it's like the key changes yeah. and a little bit of like the way the melody is going sounds quite a bit like him like I, I get like serious Tiny Dancer vibes from that song Not a cloud in his eye, not 
I was I was going to ask um, about where you see um, Elton's influence throughout her career. Mm. Um, I I would say, um, and maybe maybe I mean I was raised on Elton John, but not as heavily as m- more <laughs> alternative, um, mm-hmm. like later seventies, but mostly eighties stuff. Um, but um, under the ivy reminds me of something. Um, I, I I might be wrong, just because as the piano um, as the center stage. But under the ivy, um, just the feeling and the tone and um, the songwriting <laughs> kind of reminds me of something like Elton John would do. More mel- but I don't know. I can see when when I think about like what his influence has been on her, I feel like it's um, the main thing I that I hear is in a little bit in her earlier music when she was more piano based, like like around mm-hmm. the kick inside and the Lionheart era, when those songs were written with just her at the her at the piano, and then when she went to go record them in the studio that then all the other musicians came in to add their their own touches to it but uh i feel like it's you hear it a little bit in some of her earlier music especially with some of the more unusual uh key changes and core changes Mm -hmm. that she has like in something like um i mean god even in something like moving and that first few yeah. lines, like if you look at the sheet music, that she she starts in in D minor, and then she like inserts like I think there's an A major chord in there too. That's like things that don't usually go together. I hear it in that, and a little bit of the theatricality. I mean, she wasn't that's to the extent I mean, yeah. that he was. Like you know, he was like, okay, he's coming out in like a big feathery chicken costume, or like whoa, <laughs> okay, tour of life. Mm-hmm. with all the costume changes and the intricate um, like performances for each song but then again it's not like Elton John who stage middle name is Hercules um, yeah. <laughs> because Elton John is the capital T theatrical um, along with Genesis era Peter Gabriel mm-hmm. um but um, I was going to say, I generally see the theatricality um, in moving and um, oh, oh, to be in love. Also, mm. I see that that approach that you're talking um, about focusing on the um, piano first in songs like um, Oh, England, My Lionheart and Peter Pan. Mm-hmm. Um, as well as... Um, the man with a child in his eyes. Oh, that one! Um, like it's that one. Even in the section, you know, and here I am again, my girl, wondering what on earth I'm doing here. She's actually doing like yeah. dramatics. Like she's she's going like da 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 da. da. Like she's she's yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and that that is totally like that's something that I would expect to hear a little bit of from 
uh, El- a little bit from Elton John's music. Yeah, like the meandering in um, tone and like how it like changes co- like constantly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The thing um, I wanted to know, and this is what, <laughs> my real unpopular opinion, um, so I apologize. Um, as we were saying earlier about why we love this cover, um, I really have realized with um, newer um, outputings by Elton John that I like his voice now more than ever. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like his, and which is weird because Elton John, like his career spans like almost fifty years. If it, um, mm-hmm. He's a song songwriting and singing um, legend how I think his voice now and this is something like highlighted by Snowden at Wheeler Street it's now it's more um, it's deeper it's it's more um, talking about melancholy I just feel like it's more um, moving I don't know no I love Elton John I'm not trying to um, talk, talk bad. It's just, um, but you you know what I mean about his yes, voice now, right? Yeah, because and actually, with, yeah. with, in his case, what happened was he started blow. Uh, he started blowing out his voice from mm. a lot of the drinking and the drugs, and also constant touring that he was doing. And he yeah. had vocal cord surgery in uh, the late '80s or early '90s, and so. He had his he had these little uh, growths removed from his vocal cords due to misuse. So uh, he are called yeah. notes, and so he got those removed, and then he started like learning how to like take proper care of his voice. And then by then he was I mean by the nineties he was you know in his fifties, and everybody's voice is going to change when you hit your 50s you know men or women yeah you notice it more with women apparently than you do with men but because he had vocal cord surgery then his voice and just naturally aging that's why his voice is a little bit i agree i like his voice better now too i was when i was listening to the original of rocket man i like his voice i can tell it's him but it's it's much it's he's much more of like a high tenor Whereas now he's more yeah. like a like a baritone, like kind of in the middle. <laughs> so well, so El- um, Elton John was on a recent song, a Gorilla song that just dropped a couple weeks ago, and that's what really made me think uh-huh. about this because it's so it's so like maybe I just when it comes to male singers, I like smooth smooth but weird voices like mm-hmm. Martin Fry of ABC and um, Brian Ferry. Um, so I that. think that's also be what? Oh, nothing wrong with that. I I like the no, distinctive male vocal that. voices as well. Like one of my favorite voices. I love Sting's voice. Like I can tell him oh. like within a millisecond that that's him singing. I can always tell. Peter Gabriel, I could tell within like two seconds, like less than that. I love Peter. Yeah. And um, that's how I feel about um, Dave Kahan. Oh, yeah, Depeche Mode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I've been listening to a lot of Depeche Mode. Oh, Depeche Mode. I mean, since childhood, but now more than ever, I've been listening to 
live versions and just oh we're gonna have to talk off mic about that because there you go i i'm yeah, a huge that's a, that's fan. A, <laughs> i know you're a huge Depeche Mode oh fan. yes <laughs> i am too so the two main um versions of the song that i know of are the music they're probably the same version but different cases um the the um the music video and then the performance on Wogan. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, are they? Is it the same? Just. Uh. Well, one of them was um, the kind of the official music video, which apparently only aired, or either it never aired or only aired very rarely, and was because um, it was a big deal that it was uh, being released on Kate Bush's channel uh, a couple of months ago. Yeah. Um, there is a black and white music video. That's Verna. I, that's one that I remember seeing like long, long time ago. I didn't realize it was hardly ever seen. Uh, filmed with her band I saw it as a uh, simple performance video. And oh, and apparently yeah. the reason that she's playing a ukulele is a tribute to Marilyn Monroe and Some Like It Hot. I did not realize I that. Saw, I saw some comments about that, but I wasn't really like. I saw comments referencing that but i didn't know what that was about i've never um have you seen some like a hut oh yes that i haven't i've seen it a couple of times and every time i see it i'm just like i'm just it 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 holds up really well and it is funny because there are you know there are some movies i like older movies but there are some 40s and 50s movies that don't really hold up very well oh three coins in the fountain i'm looking at you i love that song by frank sinatra but the movie eh, it's about like an hour too long um but this one but that one it really holds up well and that the ending joke is just hilarious (laughs) Um, okay i need to say oh god i need to see it i like um older i mean i just like comedy in general um but I, oh, I, I don't even know where to find some like a hot. I feel like, yeah. Um, Amazon um, Prime. That's either on Amazon Prime or Netflix. I know it was on one of those platforms a couple of months ago because I remember watching it not long after I moved in here um, because they were talking about it on, they were talking about it on some other podcast I was listening to and I realized, oh yeah, I haven't seen that movie in a while. And I went and watched it because it was available. But you can probably find it. You can definitely find it on there. And if not, you can rent it from Amazon. Yeah. I need to think, because I feel like people underestimate how funny and, like, um, like strategically performative Marilyn Monroe was. Mm-hmm. Um, Agreed. I've, I've, I've seen some scenes of films throughout quarantine on um of her performing and they're just really just amazing and then we mentioned the uh, the chair that um with his guitar on it uh also you see that in the video and then there is the version from wogan on december 16th 1991 where she's strumming the ukulele a lot like in the video uh, that version yeah. i've seen as well um it's a very much a lot like the filmed music video i think it's more, a more mm-hmm. widely seen too well, I remember seeing the music video on YouTube before she, um, Kate Bush officially released it. Me too. Um, so I remember seeing both versions. One thing that I just thought about was, 
um, the the back the backup vocals mm-hmm. of this song. Um, it's not Kate solely doing it this time, and I think that was like with the Central World. She stopped. I might be wrong. I um, but she stopped really relying on herself solely for backup vocals, like she did in Hounds of Love. Uh, actually, I do think that it's. I'm looking at the credits of the song, and they don't mention the uh, the trio Bogarka. So I, so I think that the background vocals in her version of the song are actually her. No, but there are in the music video there are some oh, um, mm-hmm. other women singing. Not trio Bogarka, um, who are amazing. Oh, um, and I'm. I'm excited to talk about with um, Rocket's Tale. Um, oh, that song. Oh. Um, but um, actually, no, I do just trying to um, tap my um, the song stuck in my head. Um, I do think it's um, her doing backups. Um, I might be wrong, but do you think she started um, using more people to do backup vocals uh, around this time? Um, other than with the when she's singing with the trio Bulgarka, I don't think so. Or unless she has Patty okay. singing with her way in the background. Like on, I think he was on the background on Love and Anger. Let me just check. Okay, yeah. Um yeah, Kiv, backing okay. vocals, Kate and Patty Bush. No, it's, um, other than the, the couple of songs on The Central World and the Red Shoes, where she has the trio singing with her, um, you know, she continues to use herself as uh, her own backing vocalist, which is just, I mean, just freaking amazing <laughs> the way that she does it's that. It's amazing. Um, now I have to just re listen. I mean, don't get me wrong, both albums, both Central World and Red Shoes are albums I've listened to at just time after time after time. But now I have to do that even more. Um, Red, Sho- Red Shoes is still one of, my, um, like, one of my favorite Kate Bush albums. And I know that is not a common um, opinion. Oh, yes. So, chart performances. Um, This went to number two in Australia, number 45 in France, 36 in Germany. The Irish took it to 17. The Dutch liked it a little less than the Irish, but they brought it to 22. The Swiss liked it a tiny bit more. They brought it to 20. And the British went, hey, this is pretty cool. We'll make give her another top top 20 hit at number 12. Um, Where are we (laughs) Uh, oh, please, we all know that Kate Bush doesn't give a fuck about America. <laughs> a nation, a nation famed for its love of musicians like Kate Bush. When, uh, I know. <laughs> Although it says here, I, this is actually from Kate Bush Encyclopedia, it says that it became a hit in the UK and the USA, but it didn't, if it was released here as a single, it didn't chart. Something that would chart on college rock, um, but then again, it's not really college rock. 
Although, like, what's interesting at this, at this time, and I mentioned it during, I think I mentioned it in the Love and Anger episode. If I didn't, I need to make sure I punch that in. That um, Love and Anger actually charted really well yeah. on the um, college radio charts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they were trying to really, they were trying to push Kate to the college market, which is an interesting contrast to how she's seen in the UK, where it's my understanding that in the UK she was seen as like as a pop artist, somebody on top 40. Really? And then, yeah, but then you come over here and, well, we're just going to stick her on the college radio chart. Yeah. I feel, yeah. Because people, and like she doesn't fit the standards of a pop musician in America and people mm-hmm. don't um, um, really know how to categorize her in general. But I love college rock. Um, I do too. That's where all the really cool and interesting stuff is. I mean, I, hey, yeah. hell, I still listen to that stuff in, even in 2020. So. Well, okay. thank you. Thank you so much for being on to talk about Rocket Man today. Always great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, yeah, I always love being on the show. <laughs> and it's always cool to talk to you. Yay! More young people who like K-pop. Yay! for listening to this week's episode of Strange Phenomena, the music of Kate Bush. Well, we have now come back down to earth and we're going to be starting the last three episodes of the Sensual World season. So next week, we're going to start the collaborations episodes. So these are songs that Kate Bush sang on that were written by other people and she was brought in to help. There are going to be three of them we're going to talk about this season. And the next one coming up is a song that she recorded for the background of a pop duo's album track that was also later released as a single, The King is Dead by the pop duo Go West. So that's what's coming next week. In the meantime, if you're enjoying what I'm doing, please feel free to follow me on Twitter at StrangeKateCast, on Facebook, Facebook.com slash KateBushPodcast, and also I'm on Patreon, Patreon.com slash KateBushPodcast. There's also a hotline, 1-757-349-6369, so you can leave a message about your favorite Kate Bush song, and it could be played on a future episode. Also, I'm going to be looking for people to do Red Shoes episodes. We're going to start recording those this year in 2022, so feel free to hit me up on any of those social 
socials. Also, real quick, want to give a shout out to the Kate Bush subreddit and also the Discord. It's been a lot of fun. I've just joined a couple of days ago, and it's been so much fun chatting with other Kate Bush fans on there. So, with all that said, we'll see everybody next time for The King is Dead. Bye!